0: Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by rashpixel.fm. I'm your host Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrialcom forward slash radio. There's over 180,000 titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash cause talk radio and get your free audiobook today. All right, so I'm so excited because it's my favorite day of the month to talk to Joe Waters.
1: You know it. How's it going? I'm doing very well. Excited to talk to you. I'm, you know, picking through the top news stories, top looking news at what stories. we can talk about, and you know, I see this as much of an education of each other as our fans. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Anyway, so first thing we're going to talk about is Carson King in the Ka- memo. Say it campaign. again. Say it again. Carson. Carson. Okay. What a great name. Carson
0: King. So So talk, explain the story. You know the backstory to this? I know the story, but I want you to explain it because I think you'll do a better job than me. Well,
1: uh, you know, well, it was kind of interesting. And what I have seen is that uh, how this originally happened is Carson King, as I recall, was at some type of sporting event in which he appeared in the background with a sign uh, saying that he was out of beer (laughs) and people should Venmo him more money so he can buy beer. I mean, just kind of like this random incredible Bush thing. Bush light right? beer
0: needs replenished. Yeah, that's right. Venmo Carson Venmo. King 25.
1: That's right. That's right. And, you know, and he had a sign. And, you know, and he's thinking, like, what am I going to get here? You know, a couple bucks or something <laughs> like that. Well, before long, my understanding is he raised almost $250,000, yeah, right? Insane. To start this out. And, you know, this is kind of incredible when you think about it, Megan, because. He could have just kept on, <laughs> right?
0: You have to be some kind of jerk, though. Yeah, I mean, how much? Bu- you know ha- I mean? Let's talk about how much uh, no, Bushlight I mean, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars could buy. The, the undrinkable on something
1: like this, right? I mean, be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> you know, something like this happens, right? So, one of the things that Carson did, um, to his credit, was that he did buy one case of Bushlight for himself which I think he deserves in light of all this, right? Yeah. But but then he said, you know what? I'm going to donate the rest of the money to Iowa Children's Hospital, which is really good. And then what happened is, and I'm not sure the order of this, but Venmo came on and said, hey, we're going to match everything that you raise. And then Bud Light came in Bush and Light. said, we're going to match it. Bush Light, excuse me. <laughs> Bushlight Light came in. Yeah, I know. Bud Light but a little bit different there, right? <laughs> that so I'm would not be hilarious. Drinker. You'll have to forgive me, right? So I grew up in a Schlitz household. I don't know anything about beer, right? And uh, they came in and they said they were also going to double... Uh, the gift or match the donation, but one of the things that Bushlight also said is that they would give him, I believe, a lifetime supply, a year's
0: worth of Bushlight.
1: Yeah. Okay, years worth. All right, but still after a that, lot of beer. Sure, yeah, that's a lot of beer, right? And then um, some. Actually, a reporter oh, wait, 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 stop. Uh, did a little. You're, you're missing one step.
0: Bushlight also made a special Carson King can with his face on it.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that was really cool how they that did something cool. like that. You know, isn't it amazing too how quickly they can turn these things around. Right. And, you know, and print these things up and get them going.
0: Sorry, so keep going.
1: That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So no, but that was an important point that they were gonna do a cost and can. Although I don't think I remember them saying that they were gonna donate a percentage from the No, sales I don't think can. so. Do see anything I that? don't think
0: so. That would have been smart okay. though.
1: Yeah, that would have been smart and something like that. But, I mean, the fact that they were matching was enough. However, a reporter doing a story on this did a little research on Carson King and discovered in his Twitter background, going through his multiple tweets, that he had several racist tweets. Now, I believe Carson King is in his 20s right now. uh, And these went back a number of years, I think, when he was a teenager. Right. So people kind of got down about the fact that these racist tweets tweets came up. And then the brands came forward and said,
0: Mm -hmm. we're still going
1: to donate the money. We're going to still donate the money to Iowa Children's Hospital, but we're not going to do it in association with you, and you're not going to get your year's live beer. Yeah. Of course, there's another layer to the story and that people did research on the reporter <laughs> who uncovered this information and <laughs> found that she had racist tweets so it just keeps
0: weird what are the odds of that well you know i mean and i think this is a hard thing because the brands are trying to jump on board he's obviously doing like he didn't mean to he wasn't setting out to raise money for the children's hospital but he was like okay i mean come on what am i going to do with almost three hundred thousand dollars? i i've got to give this to a good cause and all the brands kind of rush in And I think some would say they probably didn't do their due diligence, like some intern should have looked up his Twitter, you know, read back through his Twitter for the past 20 years. But, you know, at the same time, it sort of seemed to me, I think I read a piece um, that was written from an Iowa newspaper. And it sort of seemed to me like people kind of had Carson King's back on this. They were like, oh, seriously, like, come on, like, let's you're doing a good thing. And you know, he doesn't have to be your spokesperson forever, but like he get on board with donating the money. Like, why is it such a big deal? So yeah, I mean Yeah,
1: yeah. But it it speaks to your point though.
0: The it due diligence Paid
1: to do your research, yeah. right? You know, to basically do but you know, we live in this very um transparent you know, society. That's right. Transparent <laughs> society. You know, I mean, and and you know, things happen on the fly like this. Exactly. So, so you're trying to take advantage know, and, of it. Yeah. That's right. I mean, That's what right. what right.
0: could the harm be in associating res- yourself with a 20-something-year-old who you've done no research right. on? I mean, really.
1: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> who knows, <laughs> right, who this person is? But it, uh, it is. It's kind of a challenge. But the good the good thing I'm happy to report is that Carson King, I think it does have a happy ending because what I saw the other day was he was at Iowa Children's Hospital and he presented a check but $3 million. I
0: know it's incredible.
1: That's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, that's amazing. So that represents his money, uh, that people sent him through Venmo and it represents the money from Venmo and, uh, Bush Light. So, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. $3 million. I
0: mean, how, so let's talk a little bit about Venmo because it, it sort of strikes me that this might be a potential fundraising platform. I don't actually know. It's a basically a person to person thing. So if I want to send you money, I send it to your Venmo and it goes to your bank account, whatever. um, But it just strikes me. I mean, what do you think? Is this a potential fundraising platform in the future? Like, it's probably more like a peer-to-peer fundraising type thing. Um, You know, I'm going to do this marathon. Send me 100 bucks, and I'll donate it. Right. Although, then you don't get a tax receipt.
1: I think, well, you know, see... What I think the opportunity here is that... And what we have to note about Benmo is that it's frictionless. And that's really the opportunity, right? It makes it so easy to give money. One of the things I did a little research on, and I actually found an article in the Desert News on this, and they say that Benmo was also involved in... This other story, instead of beer, though, this was lemonade, and six Cincinnati children raised $140 over Labor Day selling lemonade and decided to donate to Cincinnati's children's hospital. Two of the little lemonade sellers had spent some time in that hospital. And what eventually happened, though, is the word got on of this, I believe, via Instagram, and then they put their their Venmo account on there. In four days, people had sent more than $125,000 to the account. Wow. So, well. You know, so this is definitely real. But it just goes to show you that, you know, in the sense like it's but it's got to have that connection. It's got to have that viral pot, right, that people see it and they really connect with that for whatever reason. In one case, it was because a guy was asking for beer. And then in the other case, it's because these cute kids were raising money for since he's. Uh children's hospital
0: right but i mean if you think about it technically it's not like you can venmo a nonprofit, right like it's just a joe waters to megan strand type thing right so
1: that's right if
0: i'm gonna if you're raising money for the children's hospital and i send you the money first of all a i have to trust you that you're going to donate it to where you say you are and b i don't get a tax receipt so
1: that's right um, that's true that's a really good but point it is an, it is an like interesting
0: that. platform i was just looking on my venmo account to see if if there is. Do you use Venmo? I do, yep. You know what's weird about Venmo is you can kind of see, like, if people don't change their privacy settings, like, I can click on my friends and be like, oh, look, you paid this person for food. For this <laughs> test, for a puke emoji, for a pineapple, for gas—like I can see what everyone overcharged. Sorry, I'm literally looking um, I'm at sorry, these people. this Venmo
1: says that you paid for drugs and sex. I mean, you know, what's legit. Going you prob- probably.
0: <laughs> we should we should get somebody on from Venmo and ask them what kind of weird things know, that people write good. in the comments.
1: But so so with Venmo though, it's it's basically money from one account yeah. to another yep. account, right? So it's you know it's not like you end up with cash somewhere or something like that. No, nope. it's kind of like PayPal. Sorry, PayPal, right? but it's kind
0: of like PayPal. Okay.
1: Yeah, right. So, well, that's
0: right. I think that's fascinating. So, speaking of fundraising platforms, you had something else you wanted to talk about with GoFundMe. Which I don't even know what you're going to say about this.
1: Well, you know, there was a really interesting article in The Atlantic this past week. And the article is called When GoFundMe Gets Ugly. And what it talked about is, you know, just a lot of the complaints that I think we've heard about uh, GoFundMe in terms of how the platform works and what people mostly use it for. What I was kind of blown away with, Megan, is... How many people are using it for health related issues? Right. Right. I mean, and that is both like an opportunity, but also really sad, right? That people have to use this to raise money to pay for their health care. But it's a fact of life, right? Because of insurance and how expensive these procedures are and stuff like that. But, um, what I thought was really interesting. And a lot of people have obviously gone and gone on and kind of criticized uh, GoFundMe because, you know, it seems very opportunistic that they're taking advantage of people in this way. And GoFundMe is a for-profit company. Right so I mean it was founded by several I think several guys or several people, and uh, a bit of it was sold for a lot of money and you know they're they're doing you know in in some ways an incredible job raising money uh, for different campaigns, but what they discuss in the article is just how challenging this can be with some people, because if you think you're just going to put your campaign up there and people are going to find it and give it money, yeah, not gonna that's happen. not what happens. Yeah. What it really comes down to is audience influence and size, right? So, What is successful, not surprisingly, is that when people set up a campaign and they either have an existing audience or an influencer of any size comes on board and promotes that campaign, that's what makes that campaign successful. And people have criticized that, but I really don't have a problem with that in a lot of ways because one of the things I feel is like... That always happens with fundraising, though, isn't it? Like in the sense that we're always dealing with people's networks and people's influence. The difference is, is that GoFundMe has just made that digital. And to a certain degree, it's made it, um, frictionless. It's made it easy to set up a GoFundMe page and just raise money that way. Um, so, you know, it's interesting uh, about the debate. And I think what they were really trying to highlight in the article is that you know most campaigns don't, don't go anywhere and people don't raise any money because they don't have network and they don't have an influence. And those people that do, we look at it and say, oh my God, no, look how much we... And it's like, yeah, but they had um, a, a solid base of people uh, that would support a campaign.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about on this podcast for how many years? Like, if you don't have the the community built in... Like, it doesn't matter if you have a separate platform. People aren't just going to go shopping around for, you know, places to donate their money on GoFundMe. I'm sure there are a few people that do that. But you haven't ever seen any brands do anything on GoFundMe in terms of, like, raising money, have you?
1: No, I don't think I have. And, you know, a lot of nonprofits are really trying to steer their uh, constituents away from GoFundMe. Because they don't get any data? That's right. And I think too, well, they don't control the donation anymore either. And I think that's a problem, but I also think that's an antiquated way of thinking on something like that. I mean, One of the biggest campaigns, if not the biggest campaign on GoFundMe, Megan, is this guy who was trying to raise a billion dollars to build Trump's wall. And he did not hit the billion dollar mark, but he did end up $25 million, which I think is the most that GoFundMe has raised. And what is interesting, a couple of things came out of this, Megan, which is interesting for us to discuss. Us is one, he ended up because of the campaign and his contact with people, he ended up with like three and a half million email addresses of conservatives who were interested or who had donated to the campaign. And one of the things he did after the campaign was he turned around and started a nonprofit called We Build the Wall. And he is actually in the southern border right now putting up the wall. Uh so the Wait, you are know, you serious? Opportunity- yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, take a look at the wow. article because it was really interesting in that regard. And, and it just goes to show. But see, you know, the whole thing is too is what I think. Th- what they realized after was that was a great place to go viral. But the challenge was is in some instances going, you know, making that leap from GoFundMe to his own personal website.
0: Well, it's kind of so it's kind of like it's donations. it's kind of like Kickstarter, right? But for nonprofits. So like if you're if you have a business opportunity and you want to see if it's viable, you go on Kickstarter and say, give me some money to create this. I mean, it's not dissimilar. I mean, no, that is not the entire purpose of GoFundMe. However, in this case, you just offered a perfect example, although a controversial one, about, um, you know, if enough people think this is a great idea... um, so, but is this is this a charity or is this a company? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah,
1: well, right now it's it, he's he's um, he's created a nonprofit. Oh, he has okay. And I think what's interesting about that though nonprofit corporation. Is, okay, you're right. And he took he what he did, which was very smart, was he took an instant audience that he created. Well, not instant, but an audience that he created. He was well known in the conservative community too before this, hence. You have an audience, right? You have an audience. He brought that audience to GoFundMe, created this, and now he's, you know, started this nonprofit. And I'm sure,
0: I'm sure it's also very timely. Like, I'm sure he did this when yeah. there was all the talk about the wall right. right after the election, right. and he jumped so on it. I mean, it's yeah, not stupid. Right. I mean, I don't, that's right. I don't like the idea right. so, personally, but so, you know, you
1: know. So think about it though. If people have an audience, or they have influence, or they have both they just need to find the right platform in which to execute that so is it kickstarter is it venmo is it facebook you know there's another article i point to in my newsletter this week that talks about how facebook is the the same type of thing in terms of how much they're raising for causes right now but a lot of it comes from obviously people that are setting up campaigns that already have an audience and they already have people that they can engage and raise money from which is really powerful
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash talk radio. One book I am completely obsessed with and highly recommend is The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. It is absolutely a perfect combination of philosophy and practicality as it relates to your next gathering of people, whether that's a business meeting or a conference, a huge surprise party, or maybe just a backyard barbecue. I highly recommend this book and you can get it for free on Audible with your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com for forward slash cause talk radio. Well, you know what, I think the bottom line of this whole conversation is that I think we're living in a society now, for a long time, I feel like we lived in a society where people were like, oh, government should take care of that. And it's pretty obvious now that people don't necessarily trust government. Sometimes they don't trust companies. Sometimes they don't even trust nonprofit organizations to do the work that needs to be done. So these platforms are enabling people to take things into their own hands and jump on something that they feel passionately about. And it's, you know, it's kind of that crowdsourced mentality Um, but I think, I don't know, I feel like we're going to see more and more of that. You know, I feel like, you know, we were going to maybe talk a little bit about the whole gun issue, but I feel like we're starting to hit critical mass on some of these issues. And I don't really understand all of the mechanisms behind why that's happening. But I feel like when people finally get fed up and they're like, okay, nobody's doing anything about this, like, you know, this, this whole, how many CEOs signed that letter? Um, to Congress against you know yeah, trying to the get them to roundtable. enact some sort of gun legislation a hundred and whatever I mean they're looking at Congress they're like you guys are not doing anything so we need to step in and do something um, right. and you've got people kind of hitting that tipping point where it feels like okay we can get consensus on some things and yet government's still not acting so you're getting that corporate pressure you know put on you're getting consumers looking to their companies they do business with and why like why are you still ca- selling guns and I right. mean and right. things like that i just it's it's really interesting to me to just kind of see how this activism i guess is the, probably the best word for it how activism starting to take hold
1: and think about it too megan one of the great things about things like this though is and it's something that tony hollingsworth i think really did a great job in a podcast is you know he put had this great line on podcast where where he said you know companies look to audiences to tell them what's good in the world. And they look to audiences to tell them also what's popular and profitable in the world. And so the thing, when we see these Venmo campaigns or we see these campaigns on GoFundMe, you know, Companies are audience magnets. They're looking for large groups of people that they could engage and either connect with their company in some way, and that's the kind of opportunity. And I think that's what some of these sites allow them to do, is to identify where the audiences are. You know, where the opportunity is, where would they want to put their money? Where would we want to match that money? It's kind of like another influencer example, although I'm not sure what platform he did it on was Aaron Rodgers, who's the quarterback for the, um, um, Packers. And he's a Northern California native. And when the fires were raging out there, he's like, you know, I'm going online. I'm going to raise some money. Um, I think it was State Farm. That came in and said we're going to match that money, and then Walmart came in and matched that money. So they're going where the audiences are going. So he created an audience that supported his campaign. Companies came in and did that, and you know I think that's very important for nonprofits to understand in their relationship with companies is that companies want audiences, and the the more you can show that audience that company that either you have a big audience or an engaged audience or both. Is valuable.
0: I think the other thing that we're not talking about in that part of the equation, especially the activism part of the equation, are employees. Because a lot of these companies, you know, the Walmarts of the world, the Airbnbs of the world, you know, they have large workforces that have a particular point of view and you know they're kind of they're putting pressure on these companies you know you've seen strikes at Google about some of the practices that they've had from employees so it's not only about customers it's also about keeping their employees happy which sometimes i think is a little bit of a disconnect because you know while Dick's Sporting Goods employees may feel one way their customers may feel another so i think it's challenging i mean i can't imagine trying to be I don't know what the title is CEO for lack of a better example of some of these companies where you're serving diverse communities and yet you still have to try to do what's in the best interest of your employees and your companies for the long term and it may not always be aligned with everyone 100%. Like you're going to, you know, when this whole gun violence thing came out, like Levi's came out and said, "We know we're going to lose customers over this. Yeah. But we think right. it's the right thing to do."
1: That's right. That's right. But I think it's important to understand about Levi and Nike and stuff like that is they're actually making a bet on a larger customer base that supports what they're doing. See, that's the thing I think that's challenging about companies. Companies are not going to take a stand on an issue that's going to drive them out of business, at least knowingly. Right. So what we see with people like Nike and Patagonia and well, though Patagonia is like, unicorn. They're unicorn out there to, yeah, yeah to they're themselves. very different. But other types of companies, Levi's, is they're making decisions based on saying, hey, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a political equation. It's a, you know, favoring urban uh, blue state voters over less uh, what they consider less affluent red state voters. It's true. In, you know in rural communities, and you know so it's a it, it's a it's a bet they're making, and then you have other companies that are making a bet on other uh political audiences
0: well, and I think this is just gonna become you know we're heading into an election year right help us Lord help us all God help us <laughs> you know, <it's> <laughs> i uh, i'm gonna I'm, it's gonna be a challenge to not talk about that every month between now and uh in the election. But, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more of that because you're going to have candidates talking about certain hot hot button issues. And then you're going to have companies, you know, trying to stand up for a particular point of view. Um, You know, I don't know that they're going to get directly into the political fray, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just going to get louder Mm -hmm. and more noisy. I'm going to go hide under a rock I know <laughs> between now and then.
1: Well see, this is the thing, but I think what's really important here and I think, you know, one of the things I always love about cause marketing and corporate partnerships and how people give, say, at the register or when they buy a product or what have you is this is red blood blooded philanthropy, right? This is the individual doing something to support the community or a special cause that they support and stuff like that. And that's why I think so much of this that we have to remember is that, you know, there was an article not long ago they're talking about whether or not CEOs are the new politicians. I think that's a terrible idea for CEOs to be politicians because they are beholden to special interests too. The best people to make these decisions are the people, right? And and that's what I love about when we uh, let uh, companies, when we let government know our preferences, uh, it's letting them know what we think they should do as opposed to doing things that they want to do.
0: So anything else exciting you're looking at? It's uh, October. Yeah, you know, you're seeing some pink stuff, but pink ain't what it used to be, right?
1: And, you know, so we're seeing some of those things and stuff like that, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I actually came across an interesting study uh, from the Kellogg School of Management uh, that was talking about the importance of storytelling. Of course, you know, that's what you and I hear and everyone hears all the time. Storytelling is so important. Storytellers, and I think it is important. But one of the things that says that's interesting is sometimes storytelling can be a challenge because it hides the facts. And what it argues in the piece, which I think is really interesting, is that when you have strong facts, you should state those facts just as clearly as Possible as opposed to weaving them within a story, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. So they make the case at the end of this article. Then they say that, um, and you know, if a salesperson spins a great yarn, uh, go back and do your homework before you buy, he says. And this is the lead author of the piece. You might want to exert extra effort to process those facts and understand whether you're being sold by the story. Or by the factual piece of information. Mm-hmm. So it makes an important point here is that, you know, good stories are important. Uh, but in a lot of cases, sometimes, especially when we have so- strong facts to support that story, we want to make sure that people are clear on those and that we're just not telling a good story. I feel like, (laughs) I guess I have a
0: couple of responses to that. My first response is that I think it kind of depends on the person, what they're going to respond to. Some people are more analytical and they are going to respond to hard numbers. And some people are more emotional, are going to respond to the stories. I think, um, you know, I think the challenge with that, I mean, yes, it would be great to tell everybody everything about everything, you know, but the challenge is you have limited time and limited ways to communicate with people and limited ways to hook them. So I think you know, I think it kind of depends. Like if you're talking about something, if it's a surprising statistic, I think that's a great way to lead in, you know, just talking to somebody about children's mental health and one in five kids suffers with very impairing mental health like that's a significant statistic that's going to hook you Um, if it were something a little bit more obscure you know maybe not so I think it I mean I think the other thing too is like sometimes I mean you know with data and statistics you can also skew that however you want like you know so there are there are facts and then there are facts and it just kind of it, it kind of depends and sometimes storytelling overlaps with it so that's an interesting study. You'll have to give me the link to that so we can put yeah, it in the show yeah. notes. Well,
1: and I think it's, you know, and I think what the big thing is too is testing these things. That's what we have exactly. to be open to. Is we have Excellent to be point. trying new things, testing different things, looking at presenting information in different types of ways. Uh, and I do believe, I think what you said is very important too. I think that the decision maker... Uh, matters, right? You know that distinguish. You know how we distinguish between thinkers and feelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, feelers aren't always people that just want emotional messages. Sometimes I think they're just uh, people who prefer narrative information as opposed to mm. bulleted information or straight facts. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always tell people: would you sit down with someone, you know, decide whether or not they're a thinker or a feeler.
0: <laughs> what are and,
1: you? Uh, um, I'm probably a little bit more of a thinker. I'm a little mm. bit more analytical in uh, my information. I also believe there's a third type of person called a deferrer. And a deferrer <laughs> is someone who uh, defers to other people yeah. or organizations, or, and they look and say, well, um, so and so's well, involved. Well, I'm going to half that. ask my
0: mom about that.
1: That's right. That Megan Strand <laughs> is involved. You told me Ma- Megan Strand is involved in that. Well, I want to be involved. In I'm that. out you know yeah that's right yeah yeah and you know and I think you know there are those types of people too so we have to we have to figure that out
0: that'll be on the next episode of Cause Talk Radio we're gonna figure all of that out and bring mm-hmm. it all to you right absolutely. here folks absolutely mm-hmm. alright my friend well I think it's time for us to wrap up but uh, always fantastic to hear your voice maybe one of these days we'll put this podcast on YouTube so people can actually see us talking to one another too one it's, be
1: good. it's kind of fun know, to see yeah. your face I'd now that we're do doing do my the... hair and take the curlers out and you know and I've got the <laughs> I think I, I think the, I'm going to
0: have a little more work in that department than you. I have
1: the face cream on my face still. Yeah, you know, that's just true. Pretty.
0: You're going to have to be clothed. Yeah, it's very awkward uh, no, for everyone.
1: I, I never. I'm not doing that.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you next time. And uh, thanks for the chat.